Hey guys, Hide and Seek is now on Patreon. If you'd like to learn how to support the work we do, please visit www.patreon.com backslash Hide and Seek Podcast. For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive rewards. Rewards include live events, early access to video trailers, ad-free episodes, never-before-seen videos, behind-the-scenes video and photo content, along with extended and never-before-heard interviews. My team and I would be honored to have you. Again, visit patreon.com backslash hide-and-seek-podcast. Thanks, guys. The views and opinions expressed by guests on the Hide and Seek podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or positions of the host or contributors. Hey everyone, this is Sarah. Would you like to take a more active role in the Hide and Seek community? Would you like to share your thoughts with other listeners? Join us in the Hide and Seek podcast discussion group on Facebook. You can find us by searching Hide and Seek Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. This podcast deals with mature topics that may not be suitable for all listeners. Material heard on the Hide and Seek Podcast is intended for adult listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Sweet dreams are made of this. 24-Hour News Aid's Brady Gillum went to Sturgis tonight to speak with the missing woman's mother about what may have happened to her daughter. I can tell you where she most likely is. I hadn't seen anybody that I felt comfortable saying anything to until today. The stories they tell are pretty fucked. They're pretty freaking gruesome. I kept all the text messages, Facebook messages, the messages between me and Brittany. I have all of them. I have everything. I told him, I said, I kill all the motherfuckers and I was going to have my people fucking take care of it. I'll just say Brittany's name out of nowhere just to see what somebody says. Because this little town around here would be hard to hide something like that. Because eventually everything comes out. To me, some days I don't believe anything happened to her. I think she just left. This is Hide and Seek, Season 3. I'm your host, James Basinger. Hey guys. On Saturday, March 11th, Friends of the Hide and Seek podcast held a peaceful rally at the St. Joseph County Sheriff's Department to raise awareness for Brittany, support her family, and remind the community that Brittany is still missing and still missed. The unprecedented outpouring of support both in person and via live stream was truly an incredible sight. I've told you guys many times that I select missing individuals who receive little to no media attention. So time to give credit where credit is due. We'd like to give a shout out to the Sturgis Journal, Mike Stiles at 99.3 WBET, 95.9 WLKM, The Watershed Voice, David Horak at Wood TV 8 Kalamazoo, and WWMT3 in Grand Rapids. On behalf of Brittany's family, friends, and all of us on the Hide and Seek team, we want to extend our most sincere thank you for giving Brittany Wallace the attention she deserves. Thank you. To everyone who attended in person and via live stream. As they say, it only takes one voice at the right pitch to start an avalanche. I just want everybody to know that she was more than just a drug addict. She was a loving mother. She was a loving sister, a loving daughter. Her and Greg had a bond that you couldn't even imagine. She loved her babies more than anything. She would have never left her dad, her grandma, her babies, family. I have made peace with the fact that she's gone. I can't make peace with the fact that she, we don't know what happened. And that's all I want. I care what anybody did. I really don't care. Just give us, give us closure. 
deserves justice. We deserve justice. I'm not good at expressing my feelings, something that Brittany and I share, but I will try my best. My sister and I were a lot alike, but one thing I never agreed with was her addiction. Even through her addiction, she was still human and did not deserve whatever happened to her. She deserves justice and to be brought home. Our family deserves to grieve properly and finally have her home. I hope that the person or people who did whatever to her gets what they deserve, and I hope that my sister haunts them. Even that will never be enough. When I got a call from my dad asking me if I had heard from Brittany, I got that gut-wrenching feeling that she was not with us anymore. responsibility. We have knowledge that more likely than not that a crime has been committed against Brittany, but also that crimes have been committed against this case. We know that social Brittany's social media accounts, phone accounts, and other personal accounts have been illegally accessed. Several of those accounts have been tampered with and we know most likely by whom. We know there are questionable alibis for those who were allegedly close to Brittany. 
There are conflicting accounts as to the whereabouts of those people on the night Brittany went missing. And we know that at least one person had in their possession the receipt of Brittany's last purchase from a gas station less than two and a half hours before she vanished. With knowledge comes responsibility and we have this knowledge. And now it becomes our responsibility as a community to step up and lock arms with Brittany's family and firmly encourage law enforcement to act on all information, leads and evidence that the Hide and Seek podcast has brought forward. To law enforcement, going forward, we implore you to do the following if it has not already been done. Subpoena all phone records, social media, and internet accounts belonging to Brittany's husband and the woman who claimed to be Brittany's best friend. That same individual admitted to illegally accessing Brittany's social media accounts, phone accounts, and other person accounts as criminal in accordance with the following. A, tampering with evidence. Pursuant to MCL 750-483-A-5A. Withholding evidence. Pursuing to MCL 750-483-A-6A. Hindering an investigation. Pursuant to 750-478-A. Identity theft, pursuing to section 750.539K. And finally, four, conduct an official interview with Brittany's estranged husband and thoroughly investigate his whereabouts on the evening of 11-30-2018. In closing, we would like to say that we believe this case can be solved. And as a community, we need to be locked in arms and speak up and make our voices heard. Somebody knows the identity of the male who is accompanying Brittany the night she went missing. It's time for the public to speak up. We want justice for Brittany Wallace. We want justice for her family. It's time for law enforcement to act. It's time to bring Brittany home and it is time for justice for Brittany. Thank you. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Last week, you heard my conversation with Rabbit. His attitude towards me was nothing less than cooperative. Some of you might be wondering if I shared the names Rabbit requested I not share. I'll inform you that those names didn't make the episode. I asked Rabbit about his conversation between him and Eric the night Brittany went missing and the days after. Rabbit maintains his position and says that the reason he filmed the lookalike vehicle of Sheldon's was because he felt it was law enforcement monitoring his actions. Now, the reason Rabbit sends this video specifically to Eric, I can't say. What I can say is that we'll leave it up to each of you to formulate your own conclusion. 
one more point we want to touch on before closing up this magician's hat. On November 30th, the night Brittany goes missing, at 11.40 p.m., Eric texts two people. He responds to a text from Sheldon and says, Don't know what to tell you, bud. Sorry. Haven't been talking to her. Ask what shit she had for me. That was it. Second, he reaches out to Rabbit. Hey, bro, get a hold of me when you can. As we're connecting the dots here, this is one of those instances that appears to be a coincidence. But, as my partner in crime, Sarah, says, there is no such thing as coincidence, only the illusion of coincidence. Rabbit and I have a conversation the next day, but it's nothing new. It's redundant, and I see no value in playing it. This is where my time with Rabbit comes to an end. What I will say is that Rabbit seems only to be interested in being cooperative. If I'm committed to painting him as a modern-day Sonny Lespecchio. Sonny Lespecchio is a character from the movie A Bronx Tale. It's the coming-of-age story of a young kid who witnesses a murder and keeps quiet about the assailant's identity. The assailant is Sonny Lespecchio. Over the next several years, Sonny takes on the role of mentor teaching him the secrets of organized crime. Sonny is well-respected in his neighborhood. He's charming and he's viewed as a hometown hero kind of criminal. I understand the appeal, but I'm not interested in painting Rabbit or Eric with a paintbrush dipped in hero paint. Some boys grow up into men who look at themselves in the mirror every morning, confident that they're living every day making the right choices. And then there's others who just go along with the crowd forgetting they ever had a choice to be better. In the last episode, Rabbit tells me he doesn't think Jade will talk. What Rabbit didn't know was that my initial contact with Jade was back in March of 2022, when she agreed to speak with me. We make arrangements to speak, but the day comes and goes and there's no contact from Jade. No response to my follow-up messages either. For now, I lose faith and chalk it up to another instance of someone not following through with their word. It's not until Rabbit tells me Jade is in LaGrange County Jail that we look up her criminal background. And what do you know? Jade was arrested in March of 2022, right around the time I messaged her. Gotta have faith, right? So I make arrangements to speak with Jade via video chat. She shows up and she's on time. Jade, right? Yes. Yeah, how you been? I've been good, how are you? Oh, so you must have got locked up not long yeah. after. Okay. Yeah, I did. Okay. It wasn't my plans, but you know what? It's okay. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Well, uh, let me properly introduce myself. I'm James Basinger. I, I do the Hide and Seek podcast for um, the missing person, Brittany Shank Wallace. Yes. Yes, hi. So you're good with us chatting because I've been... Obviously, I was like, man, where did she go? And then I was talking to um, quite a few people, and actually Rabbit was one of them. And then I also talked to a property owner, um, Wayne. Yes. He was like, yeah, she's over in LaGrange. Wayne is a property owner that Jade was renting from and staying with for a period of time. Yeah, I would actually like to talk to you about your time with Eric, though. Okay. You and Eric were... A thing at one point in time or no? Um, yes, we were. Like, okay, so we grew up together. We were bowling together in Sturgis. Me and his family got really close during that time. When I was in high school, we ended up dating on and off. And then when when I got, um, got out of college, we kind of hit back up. And that was before he got married to Brittany. And we just hit it off like we were he's like my best friend like he would just I don't know how to describe it he did kind of like start acting strange after he lost his daughter with Brittany but like before that when we were dating like everything was fine and he didn't seem like there was anything wrong with him um it was just he was like my best friend you said he'd start acting strange when him and 
when Brittany and him had lost the kids? Um, he had a lot of rage build up. He didn't really talk about things. He would isolate. He got heavy into drugs. I'm not sure if um, heroin was an issue either, but we did meth together. And at the time, like, he would get rageful and violent. Um, he started stealing things from the house. There was something about, like, like he was into, like, burning things and fires. And I thought that was really strange. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? Do you know what kind of things he was burning? I have no idea what he was burning. I just know that he took some fuel stuff from the garage at Wayne's. He would just like, things would end up missing and Wayne would be like, do you know where this went? And I'd be like, no. So, but he carried like this big garbage bag and I don't know if there was clothes in it or anything else, but like, it was very strange. Like his behavior was strange. And then instead of like coming home, he would like, cause we all kind of like stayed at Wayne's. It was kind of like a safe haven for us. He would be gone for like four days at a time. And then he'd come back and then it would be like periodically, okay, he would like eat and then shower and then like, he'd like disappear. And I couldn't get him on a phone. He wouldn't have a phone like, and then he'd randomly pop in. I don't really know exactly what he was doing or what was in the trash bags. He just had this fire fetish that like produced and I've never seen him act like that before. What time of the year is this happening? Um, it was like um, around fall. This was like, wow, how many years ago was it? Maybe 2018, 19, I don't, it was before I did drug court, so I think it was 2018. Okay, so summer and fall of 2018, he's got this fire fetish that he's dealing with and he's yeah, like he was just wanting to like act revenge out on something like and I know he was upset about his daughter or whatever, but I would ask him like, can you like get clean and go get her back or like what was going on? Um, I know that Brittany was working at the um, the gas station or like the um, I don't know. It was on the it was the Chinese restaurant is with it. I don't know Golden what they Buddha? call it. Yeah. She was working there at the time, and I remember him saying, like, she was cheating on him or whatever. But, like, we all just kind of, like, packed in together and was, like, you know, trying to help him through whatever it was. But I'm just like, well, how come you can't get sober and go after the baby? You know what I mean? But he just kept making these excuses, like, why he couldn't do that. And then, like, that's when his behavioral changes just really started to change up, and it was weird. So this is summer, fall 2018, that... You're encouraging him to get on the, you know, if you want your kids. Yeah. So, But again, it doesn't sound like this was something that he wanted was to give the kids up, though. No, he didn't want to get the kids up, but he didn't want to do what was necessary to get them back from the system or whatever. And the way he was making her sound was, like, very negative. Like, she didn't want the kids either. But I really didn't know her like that completely. So I don't think that that was her case. I don't really know. You know what I mean? Like, I w I'm a mom, too. Like, if something like that and I wanted my kids back, I would be, like, hysterical, kind of, you know? Right, 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 right. You said we were trying to help him out. Like, who were the people that were that were encouraging, encouraging him to? Um, there was Rabbit. There was um, a guy named K.O., which is Sean Moore. Christian Petrario, which he's um, Romanian. I don't know where he's at, but he was part of the group, too. We all just kind of, like, were... I don't know. We just, we were getting high together. Yes. But like, we were just all friends. Was there an altercation or incident where you guys had thought Eric had stolen money from you? Oh yeah. Yeah. There was like at least um, $10,000 that were gone. I had six grand that I was going to buy a Malibu with, and then my money ended up missing. And I really did think that that's when we all started like splitting up, you know what I mean? Because I didn't trust nobody. And I thought it was either Sean or Eric or somebody else. But yeah, I had like $10,000 just come up missing. I had uh, withdrawn at least 15 from the bank. I got out of jail. I had like $50,000 that was from my trust fund. I spent some of it on drugs. I spent some of it on another vehicle, but I was trying to buy a Malibu for six grand. And that's when like he started, like he disappeared after that. And like, we all kind of like split up. So when did that happen? I'm not exactly sure when the dates were. I just know that it was, it was like coming into fall when like, 
disappeared. Uh, Sean Moore disappeared. Me and Christian, our relationship kind of got rocky. And then me and Rabbit ended up getting raided after my money was stolen. Like, that's when everything just, whoop, everybody just ran away. Do you know who stole the money? Um, I never found out who, but I really believe that it was Sean Moore and Eric Shank, both of them. I think they both conspired to steal the money for their own. I don't really know what, but I think it was their own thing. And when you guys split, this was towards the fall, you think, of 2018? Yes. Okay. I ended up, we, me and Rabbit ended up getting raided, like, shortly after that. With Eric, his relationship with Brittany, did he talk to you much about it? Did he, you know, you had obviously were trying to encourage him, like, yo, if you want to get clean and get your kids, go for it. But did you, did he talk to you much about their relationship? I know he had told you that she was cheating on him at some point. That's about the extent of what he would talk about her. But, like, he was very, um... It was hit or miss. He wasn't sure if he still wanted to be with his wife or not. I I had tried to see if he wanted to go for that, you know, because regardless of if we were together or not, and I had feelings for Eric, like if he would always be my best friend. So if he wanted his wife back, like, you know, do the steps necessary to get her back. Other than that, he didn't really talk about her other than about her being like cheating, maybe her being a snitch. Um, but I working at the Golden Buddha at the time and like he and Rabbit would make trips there and he would see her. So that's all I know is that they would make trips there to see her. And I don't know if they were trying to work it out or there was an altercation. Okay, so you mentioned something about a snitch. Mm-hmm. Was that Eric accusing Brittany of being a snitch or is that Brittany accusing Eric being a snitch? That was Eric accusing her. Why would he think that? I have no idea. The only thing that I heard was that she was kind of like uh, going around and talking to the police about um, people and drugs and like, you know, who's moving what. That I have no, um, I don't have true, but like where she worked and they know that the police for especially on the state line, like a lot of people were accusing her and I've heard rumors and that's what was being spread. And that's why like in, in the whole scenario, I don't know if that's why people did that. I don't, I, I, I don't know that it's just, it breaks my heart. But like, if that's really why that's a fucked up way to get back at somebody, you know what I mean? Like, that's not cool at all, but that's what kind of what we were hearing is that she was a snitch. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's when a lot of people's anger was towards her. And I had no idea why, like this girl just lost her babies too. Like I would be like crying and like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so Brittany was trying, I mean, it's evident in the information that I have in, in her journal entries that she was attempting to get back on her feet. Eric accusing her of being a snitch and going around and working with the police. Uh, does, I mean, was there anything that actually came from that? Did they have any proof? Was it just hearsay? I mean, I know that there was the snitch list. I've heard about it. I've heard about the names on it. We've seen it. But was there any truth to those accusations towards Brittany? The snitch list. For those who may be unsure about what the snitch list is, it's a list of people who provide information either as a confidential informant, a witness, or it could just be someone suspected of talking about the dirty deeds of others. Now, the snitch list has been widely spread. Brittany's name does appear on it, along with approximately 20 other names. Those names include J.J. Fox Jr. and Sr. and Zach Bowman. The accuracy or legitimacy of this list is in question. I first heard about the snitch list when Ashley brought it up in relation to Robert Porter and the Kimberly Dyer murder. I don't believe that there was any truth. I think what they just took that and ran with it as a way to be like a scapegoat or an excuse to do whatever they did. You know, like, that's what I truly believe. I don't have any evidence that she was stitching. You know, there was nothing like that. It's just that's what everybody was hearing. And I think that was just what they ran with to kind of cover it up or to use it as a way to get away with whatever. And it's, yeah, it's not okay. Okay. Yeah. Did you know Ashley Marie? Um, what was her name? Ashley Hooley. Ashley Marie. 
Um, I don't think I know the name, no. So maybe it was like after we split that that's who he went to because I don't, I've never heard of that name. I share a few details with Jade to see if it jogs her memory. She doesn't know Ashley. I bring the conversation back to Eric. I think he was trying to avoid me, mainly because they stole my money. And like, you know what I'm saying? They just wanted to dip out and, and whatever. But when you say they stole the money, did they steal it in physical form like cash or was this? Current? It was cash. It was cash. Yes. Yeah, because my wallet and my dope was gone at the time. So, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, what the hell? Like, I searched the entire house. So. And so you think that the ties between you and Eric cut off sometime around the fall, um, summer to fall of 2018? Yes. And then when we, um, I got arrested in March of 19, and that's when I did drug court. But that's when we all just kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, we couldn't talk. And I haven't talked to him since. Did Eric ever talk to you about the raid that happened between him and Brittany? The raid. On February 5th, 2017, the LaGrange Marshal's office served a search warrant at the home Eric and Brittany were sharing after they received tips regarding drug activity. Officers served the search warrant and found methamphetamine and drug paraphernalia. Brittany was arrested and taken to LaGrange County Jail on the charges of possession of methamphetamine, possession of a hypodermic needle, and maintaining a common nuisance. To explain further, a common nuisance is a person who knowingly or intentionally visits a building, structure, vehicle, or other place that is used by any person to unlawfully use a controlled substance. Eric was also arrested and taken to the LaGrange County Jail on the charges of possession of methamphetamine possession of a hypodermic needle, maintaining a common nuisance, and possession of paraphernalia. Eric spends time incarcerated for the charges and essentially takes the fall for it. But Jade says he consistently shifts the blame onto Brittany. After this incident, Brittany tells Sheldon and others that she had suspicions about who tipped off law enforcement. She even tells Sheldon that she's suspicious of Eric. Brittany is also suspicious that a woman named Carly could have been the one to turn them in. Ashley says Brittany warned her not to allow Carly at her house because she may be a snitch. We see evidence of this in the small handful of Facebook messages we have between Ashley and Brittany. After the warning from Brittany, Ashley responds to her and tells her to warn Pocket because he's the one allowing Carly and Zach in her home. Ashley also claims that Brittany sent Carly a message from Ashley's phone while they were at Walmart, telling her to stay away from Ashley. Though this is something we've never seen proof of, we're working on making contact with Carly to confirm. I'm curious if Carly will remember receiving this message. Hey Carly, check your inbox. No, I didn't know about the raid, no. 2017, summer of 2017, there was a raid at their place and I didn't know if that was the reason why he may have been accusing her of snitching, but she was pretty adamant that she had not. I just didn't know maybe if he had brought that up. Not that I really remember, um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, she was to blame for a lot of things, you know? You mentioned, we were talking about earlier him burning things, and he got yes. into that thing, and he got into... Like, I don't know what it's called. Um, it'd be, like, this big, and it has, like, a cap on it, and you can, like, undo it, and it's like an accelerator, right? Why would he need all that? I don't know. He would just be into that, and, like, things would burn down. The fires. Around the general time Brittany disappeared, Sturgis, White Pigeon, Burr Oak, and the surrounding areas experienced several suspicious fires, including the two that were at Don Hills on December 15th and December 19th, 2018. Suspicious fires continue to occur up to present day. Jade shares a few thoughts about the topic when she says Eric had a serious interest in fire. She recalls Eric taking an igniter from the garage of the home she was renting. This is an opportunity for us to connect some dots here. You'll recall hearing JJ label Eric as a pyro in his interview with me in an episode. According to people who knew Eric well, his nickname, at least around this time, was Matches. Of course, this implies an obsession with fire. One last thought to leave you with on this subject. Late last year, someone shared a conversation they had with Eric a short time after Brittany disappeared. In this conversation, Eric says, It only takes seven tires to burn with a body 
to fully get rid of it. He would always ask me for help. He'd be like, do you feel anything? And I kind of am an empath, like in my own environment, you know? And he'd be like, do you see anything? Do you, you know what I mean? Like, do you anything negative, Jade? He would ask me weird things about like, do you think, you know, my wife is doing this? Or like, I don't know. They would just ask me questions. He's like, do you think she's dead? You know, these questions were like, I was like, I don't really, I don't really know. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Like, he would ask weird things like that. If she's dead. And that was one of the questions, like, towards the end. Like, I was like, I don't know. He'd be like, do you sense that she's dead? And I'm like, I don't know, Eric. I really don't. I didn't want to talk about it because, like, you know what I mean? But we were hearing things. And I kind of have that gift, too, but I'm not, like, a paranormal or anything. It's just, like, I, I can sense things. And, like, that's when he started asking those weird questions. And that's when, like, he would grab that stuff to burn. And I just don't know after that, like, what, what happened to him. But, like, that's the kind of stuff that he would ask. And I just kind of stepped away from that. Questions about Brittany from Eric. We're interested in the relationship dynamics surrounding Rabbit, Jade, and Eric especially since we know that once Pocket is taken into custody on November 29th, 2018, Eric immediately turns his attention back to Rabbit to be a supplier. In discussing relationship dynamics with Jade, she shares with me that Eric would often ask her if she could sense whether or not Brittany was alive or not. She says he began acting really strange after Brittany's disappearance, and this is what ultimately leads to the demise of their relationship. I mean, for activity, are we making, are we supplying? Do we have someone who's providing to you guys that you guys go to? Because uh, I know, so I understand that Rabbit is someone who. That was our dude. That was your dude. Yeah. Who's he getting it from? That I don't know. Um, at the time, I think Eric and them were going to Elkhart County, somewhere in Elkhart. Because they would drive my Camaro that I had. They would drive my Camaro to Elkhart and then they would come back. So I think it was someone in Elkhart, but I don't know who that is. The things that he was burning, did he ever come across as he was also setting houses on fire? Um, I, I kind of took it that way. He never came out and say that, but like, okay. So th at the time there were also like houses, I believe in Elkhart County that were going down and being in flames, you know? And I saw that shit on the news and I was like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like it was kind of a coincidence. Like everything, there were certain houses in certain locations that started burning down. And if you look at the timeline of that, that one place, I don't know if that's where they last found her or whatever, but that place ended up being burnt. There was houses in Elkhart County. And that was my suspicion that something more like wicked was going on. Did you ever talk to him about it? No, I really, I really didn't. But I'm like, why do you need this shit? You know what I mean? Like what's going on? And he was just like, Oh, nothing. You know what I'm saying? But he kind of like, it was kind of like he wanted revenge over something. And I wasn't sure why, for what did someone steal your drugs? Like, you know what I mean? Like it was basic stuff like that, but he would never do that. He would just give me this wicked smile kind of yeah, and then he's like, well, my daughter, trust me, she's just like me. I don't know if it was like the red hair, you know, like the scene of Chucky and the bride. Like, it was kind of like he was referring to like how evil it could be, like he could be. And I thought that was a little strange, but it's Eric, so I get it. But he was just like, yeah, my daughter will grow up and she, she'll seek revenge too in my name or whatever. I didn't know if he was doing heroin or like stuff like that that was making him say that stuff. That's what I mean by the strange behavior started to like manifest out. It seemed like he wanted to be more evil and he just hated everything or the state. No one understood him. Do you recall ever meeting or hanging out with uh, JJ Fox? I met him once at, um, recently at the liquor store right there by the laundromat in Sturgis, but I don't know that. When I got done with drug court and everything, um, it was Rabbit. Rabbit started dating her mom. I thought that was really strange. Oh, Brittany's um, mom? Yes. I thought that was really strange. He ended up having this video, and he said that that was the car that they had Brittany in. And, like, the things that he would talk about, I'm like, Rabbit, why are you getting involved? And why are you, like, if you're so against it, why are you dating her mom, first of all? Second of all, why are you now producing this video and trying to like solve the equation? 
I kind of think that he was trying to see what was there to kind of put the, how do you say it, the evidence away from him. But I thought that was very strange why Rabbit would do that. I dated Rabbit before, and I was thinking about doing it again until I found out he was dating her. And then he would just come over and he would be like really weird because I had asked him like, hey, can you give me like half ounce or whatever? He'd come over and drop it off, but then he would start talking about how he's with her. All of a sudden, like, he ended up leaving her. I don't know what the situation was, but they stopped dating. But he was, like, obsessed with this video of this car, and he's like, look, this is where they had her. This is where they fucking shot her or whatever. And I'm like, how the fuck do you know all these details, bro? Like, what the fuck is, you know what I mean? I thought that was strange. And that was recently, so... Probably in the last like eight months. You said in the beginning that he was actually like kind of turned off to the idea or was like, didn't want to entertain this mystery. But then all of a sudden you saw him trying to put the pieces together. Yes. And he kind of was obsessive about it. This was when um, I was done with drug court. I met up and I saw him again at the Super 8. Okay. I, I just recently got married, so like I'm with my husband, and then Rabbit, you know, we, we get our drug connect back. Me and my husband end up relapsing. When Rabbit was around, that's what he was trying to talk about. It was strange. This was the vehicle and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, he was. it was an obsession for him. When you and Rabbit were together, I mean, did he ever put his hands on you? Um, yes, there was a few violent times that really scared me. One was, um... Jade shares with me a rather personal story about the relationship between her and Rabbit. I'll respectfully keep the story to myself, but what I will say is that as Jade reflected on this incident after it occurred, she realized that Rabbit scared her, legitimately scared her. And listening to her recount this adds another layer of complication to their relationship. But he scared the fuck out of me. Um, He ended up smacking me on the face and I wanted him to take me out of it and he wouldn't. So like I kind of scooted to the fucking kitchen and I found a knife and I got myself out. But like that was the only time he like really scared me. He he had put his hands on me before. He you found yourself in a position where he did physically you guys had a physical altercation. Yes. Yes. He's kind of hot, you know, hot and cold with me because he does provide all this information. It doesn't really go anywhere. And right. then it turns into this editing of the images and enhancing and contr- the contrast, the picture. And he claims that there's a shot, a gunshot yeah, in that ring video. Yes. So he's all over the map sometimes with me. But Eric being a person of interest and a suspect, in my opinion, for Britney's disappearance, his relationship with Rabbit. And then there's this other female named Ashley Marie, which is why I'm looking at the additional two. Did Rabbit ever talk about killing someone? I know his name has been attached to the Mongo murders. There's been um, different images of um, people that ended up dead that probably shouldn't have in his phone. That's all. That's what I know. He would talk about it. Like I said, when I'd go to the hotel and pick up uh, the drugs or whatever, that's what he would talk about. There was also a guy named Nick. I'm not sure what his last name was. He showed up and did a couple of drop-offs, like a few eight balls here and there. But he was mainly after a girl, Ashley. Actually, um, if it's a girl, Ashley, I don't know her last name, but she lived in Wokerville. She was our neighbor and she was dating Matt Troyer. Now that's who Nick was looking for. And that's who like Rabbit and Nick were there to provide drugs for. That's how I met Nick. As Jade continues on with her testimony, she mentions another guy who drove for Rabbit, Nick. She says she can confirm this, because Nick did a drop-off to her for Rabbit. So who is Nick? How does Nick fit into this, if at all? I don't know what was holding up Rabbit. He actually mentioned going to do drop-offs in Mongo a few times. I just don't know his last name. Rabbit usually dealt with me personally, so I don't know why he sent Nick but I just know his name was Nick. And I thought he was strange because he tried to rape me in my ba- in my bathroom. And my husband was in jail. Like I told this dude to get off me. Okay, so you know what he looks like? Yes, I do. Yes. Okay. Really weird. Do you describe his uh, 
stature? I would say he was probably about 175. He had like little to no hair. His face was like really small and sunken in. He would wear wife beaters and um, he'd have a baseball cap on and he had baggy jeans. At the time, that's kind of like was his style. So I don't know, Nick, if, his, if that was his real name or not, but that's the name he gave. And I seen him at Rabbit's dad's house, Greens. But he did make two stops. One was for Ashley, and then Rabbit had him drop off an eight ball to me. And that's when he tried to rape me in my bathroom. And I pushed him off me and said, no, that's not how this fuck this goes here. But he had mentioned that he had to go to Mongo. He would even attempted to try to rape you when he had delivered the drugs? I went into the bathroom, but he dropped off uh, an eight ball to me. And then he tried to like pin me down in the bathroom. Like, and he was like, I will supply this. I want to bring drugs back into Wokettville or whatever. Dude, like literally tried to pin me down in my bathroom. And I'm like, hell no, this is not how the fuck it goes. You know what I mean? And I pushed him off me. He's like, whoa, 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 I didn't mean no smoke. And I'm like, well, good. And then he fucking went out of my house. And then that's when um, I would try to get a hold of Rabbit because I'm like, Rabbit, you don't send people like that to my house. You know what I'm saying? That's a no-go. He was like, do you know where Ashley lives? And I'm like, yeah, she lives like right across the street. His motive was like totally not a good guy. Let's talk about Rabbit's drivers. He always had drivers. Who were his drivers? I think one was Nick was one of them. Was another one. Was also a driver for him. Those three are the ones that when I was around, those were his drivers. I know Eric used to be too. So, and that was back in the day. And Nick, was that the only time you'd ever interacted with Nick? Yeah, that was the only and last time, yes. But, like, he did say something about having to drop off in Mongo, so I don't know if that's something, but, like, this dude did not seem like a good guy to be around. I'll just say that. Would you recognize him if you saw him again? Yes. Yes. Did you ever see Nick's Facebook? Oh, you froze again. Come on. When scheduling video visitation with Jade, we're only allotted 45 minutes at a time. Unfortunately, my conversation with Jade is cut off for the day, but I schedule another visit with her because I have more questions and I think she can offer more clarity. As I reflect back on my conversation with Jade, she mentions Brittany and Eric's decision to relinquish their rights. She said Eric was really angry with Brittany because of this. In fact, the only person who has reported that Eric wasn't angry with Brittany about this is Jessica. I decided to reach out to her and ask her to share and tell us more about this. While I have her on the phone, I asked her about the extent of her relationship with Rabbit. All right, so Justin, Rabbit, he told you that he went to the Golden Buddha and when he went to go buy the glass piece, which is what he's continued to say and he even mentions you know making a pass at Brittany yes yep he said that well she was dating um Josh Vanderbees at the at the time and Dutchie and she said well my boyfriend you know I've got a boyfriend um he wouldn't like that very very much he said she was she was polite about it but you know he's he stepped in that's the only time he has ever met her is what he said yeah so he did make a pass at her though yes he did yep he told me that himself from his, his own mouth. And that was like, and it's funny because he never, he didn't mention that in the very beginning when I met him. He never mentioned that up to like, probably like a year, a year, year and a half later, like more recent, he mentioned that. And I was like, why, why would you not bring that up? Why would you not tell me that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. However, he was really tight with, with Eric Shane, Rabbit was. And so I find it very difficult to believe that that's the first time he ever met her. And the only time he's around her. I find that very difficult to believe. In his conversation in November with, with Rabbit, Eric is in, you know, reaching out to him about possibly trying to use him as a plug again. And he also also says that, you know, I drove for you a lot. You know, yep, it's not my first rodeo. You and I have done a bunch of runs together. So how does he not know Brittany through Eric at that point? Because Eric and Brittany got married what year? 
2000 and God, you had to ask me that. 14, I want to say 14, but it seems like they would have been so young. Okay, so yeah, 2014, they got married. How does he not know Britt? Right, right. And let me tell you, this guy knows everybody. However, one time I got into an argument with him and he was like, and he was like, I'll rip you. I'll fucking tear your fucking head off like they fucking get, like I get your daughters. Yes. And then he was like, I didn't mean me nothing by that. I really wouldn't have. I, I, was, I was just mad. I was like, and he, it was very vulgar. Very, he was... I also find it hard to believe that when he went to the Golden Buddha, that because he says Eric was with him. Okay, that makes it even weirder. You hit on you hit on her while Eric was there, right? Exactly, he, and I know Rabbit. He, if he found her attractive at one point in time, he stopped back in every motherfucking time he he got a chance because that's where they fucking they you know got sold bowls and shit. That's where he went and got his shit from. You know, that's a regular old place. It's interesting to me that Rabbit never mentions any significant interactions with Brittany. He says his only interaction with her at all was brief and took place when she worked at the Golden Buddha where he stopped to buy a pipe. Could he have encountered her and become flirtatious and she rejected him? Sure. But in my opinion, I don't think that this is something you'd forget to mention. Hey, what's up? Not much. <laughs> I was getting worried for a second. <laughs> When's the last time we talked to Jason or Rabbit? It was right before he got locked up. Did he talk to you about the his relationship with me and what I was doing? Did he ever bring that up to you? The only thing he said was there was um, an interviewer guy that like I should probably stay away from, like because. I was going to get involved in something that I probably shouldn't. And I don't understand what that meant. So like, and he should know me by now that that's going to spark my curiosity anyway. So like, you know, like, I don't know why he was trying to um, have me avoid the situation, but you know, I find out for things on my own, you know? <laughs> yeah. He wants to like tell you things, but then he kind of, We'll put it out there, but then he doesn't really have stuff to back it up. You remember yesterday you were like, he was at first like, stay away, but then he would come to you and like try to present you information that was about the, yes. the ring video camera and the car and what was going on yes. with it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That was like right after he broke up with her mom or something like that. But he had stopped at Wayne's house because I was living there again. And he just, you know, was letting me know that he was involved in something that was bigger. I don't know. And he just wanted me to, I don't know if he was trying to say bye, but he ended up getting raided soon after. And this is just meth, not heroin? That I don't know if, if he was picking up both or not. But I know personally when I would get from him, like I was, I was getting meth, obviously, but I don't know about the heroin ordeal. There were times and he would talk about speedballing all the time. Sorry, educate me. I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, speedballing, um, a lot of people sometimes will shoot up uh, meth and heroin, and they kind of get both effects. So they're not like completely up, up, but it's kind of a mellow flow. And it's a dangerous game now because like things are cut and mixed. But like speedballing back then, um, before I, we went into drug court, like that was his thing that he would do. But my, my, my rule was there was no shooting in my house. You know what I'm saying? Like if you use needles, do it outside of my house, you can come over and we can smoke or whatever. But that's something I didn't want around. I was listening to a recording of his yesterday and he was saying, he had mentioned your name being involved in, in part of some of the, the investigative work that he had been working in and looking into. And he had mentioned there being uh, a total of two brothers one female involved and there was a joke that was said not ever, not everybody found it funny obviously Brittany was something had happened to her because of this joke and, and for some reason your name gets thrown in there as to some of the rumors that he's heard but you, he's never actually asked you or confronted you or been like yo did you have any involvement in that no he no, they've never like actually just came out and said anything. It was actually more him and his videos. And I would kind of like, cause he's around me. I'm like, you know, what the fuck's going on? Or like, why, why are you so obsessed with it? 
I had put my two foot in though when people would ask me. I know that a lot of um, in the drug world around here, even though it's small community, like a lot of the, I don't want to say sex trafficking because it's different. It's like not like that. Like a lot of guys will use that. Women that want drugs, they put themselves in situations and it's been a more dangerous game. I got out of it for like three years while I was in drug court, but coming back in, that was something, like I said, I almost got raped and I had money to pay for my stuff. I'm not sure if that's what happened or it was something that went wrong. I don't, I wasn't there. I don't know any conversations. I don't know the guys. I just know that some of the guys that he was hanging with, and I know that he's capable of doing things because I know them personally and I grew up with a lot of these people. So I've known them for quite a while. A lot of people started acting really sketchy and doing stupid criminal things, maybe to either get arrested. So they're kind of out of the loop. You, you mentioned some like people intentionally getting arrested to get out of a situation. Have you ever heard like, okay, so people like for petty shit, like, okay, for like a syringe charge or like something like that. Like when that stuff was going on, like some people were purposely like they would speed, you get pulled over, you know, they'd go to jail for a possession or whatever. And they'd kind of like avoid the, the police or um, the investigation of it all. They, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, some people, that's what kept happening, you know, and some people ended up in drug court. Some people just kind of ended up in doing a little bit, six months here, six months there, they get out, you know what I mean? Or they went to the center. And it was kind of to bypass things, you know? It was just trying to get off the radar for a little bit. Hearing Jade's comment about someone intentionally getting arrested, you might be wondering, where have I heard this before? This is what I think about pockets getting caught. This is what I thought the whole time along. This is Chris Pontius from episode 24. Uh, not the whole time along, but... Once it started happening, I thought that maybe Pocket knew what was fixing to happen and got caught on purpose just to get the fuck out of the situation because that is nothing that Pockets would, would, would want to be near. You know what I'm saying? He's not that type of person. What got caught up in what, what did he think was about to happen? Well, with the Britney thing. I, I don't know this for sure, but I kind of mm. have like a, I'm leaning towards it because bam, he gets fucked, sent back in. Okay, like, like right before that happens. Kind of like he just cleared himself of even being anywhere near the situation. Because that, that's, that's what he would do if he knew something like that was going to happen. He would jump out of, you know, see what I'm saying? Did you know Pocket? Pocket? I don't know the nickname, if that is. Yeah, you said something yesterday. You brought up the house fire, or not house fires, but you brought up Eric burning stuff. Did he ever ask you to partake in that? No, I never burned anything with him. Like, how do you, like, what, when you think back on, was there something that happened? I can remember us being in the garage and we were just all talking and like, I don't know if he wanted to get back at somebody or it was the system. He was, he was complaining about his daughter. I remember him saying something about, he went and he um, did a drug screen. He failed once and they didn't want to give him any more time. I don't know if that was exactly the motive or whatever, but like, I remember us all being in the garage and we were all standing around and he's like, I'm just going to get revenge on this shit. And like, that's when the stuff would end up missing or whatever. But he would disappear. You could go down this road, I think it's Maystead, and like you could walk straight and go back into town into Sturgis. You know, so Wayne was right there by the river, but he would just walk and go. There was this field out there. When we would all kind of like have our talks or whatever, or like something like that would happen, or he'd be like, just wait. And he has this smile about him. Um, I don't want to say it's devious or demonic, we all knew that, you know, Eric was just, he's up to something go not good. You know what I'm saying? Do you remember what Wayne's address was? In Baroque. He would just take off walking from there? Yeah. And like, okay, so we would have like little sessions, okay? And it was like um, a group of us would get together. Part of it was like, uh, I want to, it was weird. Like, we're just weird when we're on drugs, but it was like a spiritual thing or like um, we used music a lot of the times and we would all come together. People would come to me for help or advice if they needed something. Relationship problems or like help or to get off drugs or what they should do. Um, I was kind of the more stable one, even though I was very unstable in my life at the time. The people and the characteristics, I've known Eric since I was a kid from bowling. So I just knew he always had this wicked side to him. Did you know Brittany personally? 
Um, no. I just feel like she looks like a girl I went to school with, and that's why I was like, is that really her name? So when her and Eric got married and had kids, were you not around at all during that time when they were together? No, I was not. I was actually married, and I lived in Bristol, Indiana at the time. So when you came back, or when you're in the area closer to where you're hanging out with Eric again, he never brought Brittany around, never anything like that? No, the only time I ever seen her was at the um, Golden Buddha. They were already separated, and there was uh, something like the state took their kids when I went to their house, like to his dad's house, Greg. All right, so when you go to the Golden Buddha, and he's there, and you're there with him, is his rabbit there with you guys? Yes. Eric go inside to the Golden Buddha, or does he do? We all did. It was kind of like, I don't know if he wanted to make her jealous with me, but it was kind of like talked about, like, come in the store with me, you know, maybe she'll think that I'm with you or something like that. See what her reaction is if, if he's with a girl. I'm not going to say that I'm the prettiest girl in the world, but like, you know, I got my swag, you know what I mean? And yeah. she, I think he just wanted a reaction out of her. Well, I was never the type that uh, allowed guys to kind of like uh, hold me or hold my hand. But like we all like we're having a good time. I went and ordered, uh, you know, like, hey, can I get that pipe or whatever? I was trying to laugh and just have a good time. You know what I mean? Just like when you see a group of people and there's maybe envy or jealousy, maybe it's a girl that she didn't like know. And she, you know, girls can get catty like that. I just tried to like smile and act like we were all having a good time together. Did you interact with her personally? Oh, just uh, to purchase the pipe, yeah. But that was it. And then I just was like, hey, I'll be in the car. You know what I mean? Like, I was just trying to be a sly bitch right there. Okay. You know? <laughs> what about Rabbit? Does Rabbit interact with her? We all did. We all did. But I was like, is that her? You know what I mean? Like, I didn't really know her personally. So they were like, yeah. Has anybody ever asked you where you were at on November 30th? November 30th, no. Nobody asked me that. Mm -mm. I was probably at Wayne's. Like, I mean, when I got high, I would always stay at Wayne's usually. You get out this next month? Um, yes, in April. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you think that you could possibly still access the Facebook account that you had at that time? Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you recall him ever calling you to change? Like, he was very adamant at one point in time during this time that Brittany goes missing. He was, like, needing a garage to change brakes on a vehicle. That was always done at Rabbit's house or his dad's house. What does that mean, change the brakes? I don't know why, but um, everything that was mechanically done is always done at Green's house because he has a little shop like in the garage there and rabbit takes care of everybody's lights he makes sure it's good he always checks to see if there's a tracking device on vehicles before like they do their drug runs or whatever you know what i mean that that was always done at greens so that was never done at wayne's uh last question before i lose you um how many times did you guys go to the golden buddha or that you know that they went to the golden buddha to go talk to Brittany? four there's four times that you guys all went to the Golden Buddha together? Yes, because that's where the best place to get your pipes at was back you then. You recall four times mm -hmm. going with them? Four times, yeah. And yes. each time? Two times, yep. Two times what? Two times I went in. Two oh my gosh! And just like that, the call's cut. There's a lot of lessons to learn in life. Sometimes you learn them the hard way. Sometimes... If you're perceptive and pay attention, you can learn them from the misfortunes of others. If you've been paying attention this season, then there's no doubt you've identified lessons we can all learn. Most have come from those we've met in this journey of justice we're on for Brittany. One of the lessons a Bronx tale teaches you is that just because your friends or associates hold a certain opinion, live a particular lifestyle, or keep secrets, doesn't mean you have to. A man who can keep a secret may be wise, but he is not as half as wise as the man with no secrets. Next time, 
on hide and seek. So what's the what's the situation? Who we, who's who's there with you? Um, it's just me and JJ and a couple of people, but we're good. We're still in that understanding, just that we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about it. Are you are you guys on that understanding that you're not gonna talk about it? Yes or no? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm a. I mean, like I said, the stuff's gonna come out. This is the opportunity that I'm putting out before you guys, just because I don't want this to be something where it's like, okay, well, he didn't get a chance to be able to say his side of the story. I got he said he'd rather do it in person. What up? Yeah. It's a trust issue. Is this something that- I don't want nothing to do with it. What's that? That's the situation. The situation is I don't want nothing to do with any of it. I have questions about that. I've never fucking ever once said you had something to do with it. Why you switched up and you went to this whole mode of- He just wants, you know, he just wants to know your side. That's all he wants. There's a receipt. I'm not talking on this phone. Where Ashley says, I found this in my car. After JJ took it. The Hide and Seek podcast is hosted, directed, edited, and produced by James Basinger. Written, edited, and produced by Sarah Joe. Engineered, mixed, and mastered by Nudon's Audio Engineering. Director of Photography is Ethan Schatz. Our graphic design is created by Jordan Robinson. <laughs>